And welcome into another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. Joining myself, Billy Embody, on the podcast is Sonny Ship. today. We've got a big week to go over in the LSU world. Probably about as crazy of a week as we've had uh, in, a, in a while, Sonny. What do you think of uh, how this week unfolded? Well, it was crazy, but it was good. And that's, that's what's odd, <laughs> especially when you're dealing with administrative uh, slash you know, coaching changes, uh, turnover at LSU. This one, uh, this this one turned out to be one that LSU fans were jubilant over, jumping for joy, and and just really, really excited to see Scott Woodward leave Texas A and M, return home to LSU. He's an alumnus from LSU. He's a Baton Rouge guy. Went to Catholic High of Baton Rouge. Uh, his parents live in Baton Rouge. His children live in New Orleans. So it seems like a Seems almost like a perfect fit, and but almost too good to be true when you consider he he he's leaving College Station, where he's basically sitting on a gold mine at Texas A and M. The huge seventy-five plus million dollar salary to Jimbo Fisher just made a huge hire in luring Buzz Williams the over to take over the basketball program, and when he's leaving a place that is that is that has as much money to talk to throw around as there possibly is to come to LSU and LSU's reputation of late is one that is financially strapped uh, when you consider all of the budget issues and the politics that goes into Louisiana. So, so really uh, kind of surprising that it happened as quickly as it did, as smoothly as it did, and that, that everything went in, in LSU's favor as easily as it did. And you're absolutely right on all of that. And and going back all the way, it, it seems like this whole cycle really started. Um, I mean, you could point to when the moment Will Wade was suspended as what really uh, got the wheels on this turning. And but really, it it was how the suspension was was handled and and uh, the reasoning for it. And then that was kind of the tipping point in 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 my mind from you know, donors and people that are really in power and in the power structure that that said, you know what, this is he can't recover from this. This is the time to make the move from Joe Oliva. And and that's uh, what got the wheels turning on on the changes to be made. And it started this this week started off kind of weird, right? Tiger Woods winning the Masters two hours later. Well, I should say about about four hours later. Will Wade reinstated 15 minutes before Game of Thrones premieres for its final season. A total news dump move uh, by by LSU to get the Will Wade news out there that he was being reinstated. Obviously met with a ton of uh, approval from the fan base that Will Wade was back in time to get on the trail and and recruit uh, during the late signing period. But it really also was what um, started the 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 fire of of uh, rumors that Joe Oliva was actually indeed out. We had heard it for a while, but then it happened. Uh, what were you kind of hearing uh, dur- during that stretch leading up to uh, his uh, transitioning to a special assistant role? Well, that was very surprising that that they basically created a new position for Joe Oliva and how he's going to be working closely with F. King Alexander. And I don't know. I don't know if there's two seats that were hotter 
at LSU than F. King Alexander and, and Joe Olivas. You know, after everything that happened with the Will Wade, you know, with the Will Wade situation. But it goes much farther back than that. It goes back to, to 2015 when LSU was all lined up to fire less miles after the Texas A&M game. They have their meeting at halftime where they decide that they're going to keep him. The players carry less miles off the field on his shoulder only for him to go to the post-game press conference and Joe Oliva to announce that he's going to be their head coach. And then, what was it, 10 months later after the Auburn game, they fire less miles four, you know, four games into the 2016 season. And so that's where it started. You know, It started there, and then you had the courting of Jimbo Fisher, the courting of Tom Herman, the eventual hiring of Ed Orgeron, which I think LSU came out smelling like a rose when you consider um, how all of that played out. But, you know, I, I, it just go it just goes back further than that. And now you even have what, you know, what's what's now being reported about some administration issues with, uh, you know, dealing with former Tiger Ronnie Halliburton, who who was an assistant in the athletic department and, you know, a potential uh, potential cover up that they're talking about now. So, you know, when, when, when you lump all of that, when you lump all of that into one into one, it's very surprising to see Oliva still on at LSU in this role that they created and that they that the the board of supervisors didn't just cut bait completely. To me, that's the biggest surprise out of all of it. Not that Joe Oliva is not the AD anymore or that LSU was able to get Scott Woodward, but I'm more surprised that Joe Oliva is still going to be working at LSU. Yeah, that's a great point uh, that you bring up. And it, it'll be interesting to see, obviously, how um, close he works actually with, you know, anybody at LSU over the over the next year or so as his contract runs out. But um, it, I agree, the gaffes that, that Joe Oliva had over the years, it's surprising. Uh, you can tell how comfortable he was allowed to be by the administration at LSU for those to continue to happen. And, and for him to continue to stick around because, I mean, there's athletic directors that catch heat all over the country for how they handle things or this or that. And we've seen really good athletic directors let go for, for less. I mean, uh, uh, Jeff Long at Arkansas kind of stands out to me. And, and now he's at Kansas. And, um, you know, that was a relatively easy hire for Kansas to make. But Joe Oliva um, just had way too many gaffes during his time. And it's not surprising to see him be moved out. And it's even more surprising. I agree with you that he's going to be around campus in some capacity. Um, as you look to Scott Woodward and we, everybody knows all the connections he has and he is, he is Louisiana. I mean, if Ed Ogeron was Louisiana, Scott Woodward might as well be in his first interview uh, with the reporters. He he's already talked up his, his gumbo and crawfish etouffee. So he's going to fit right in. What else are you expecting from him as, as they move forward? Well, yeah, and, you know, to kind of touch on, on, on Woodward leaving Texas A&M, one of the, uh, you know, one of the big themes when you look over at our, at our Texas A&M site's message board is that, you know, they wonder if, if, if Scott Woodward's going to try to lure Jimbo Fisher over now and, and some crazy things like that. You see some LSU fans wondering if Ed Orgeron is nervous now because the man that hired him went out on a limb to hire him is, is no longer there. But I think, 
I, I think Scott Woodward and Ed Orgeron, I think they are just going to mesh perfectly. You've got two guys that are that are Louisiana through and through. They love LSU as much as anybody out there does. And Scott Woodward is going to – I don't believe he's going to handcuff Ed Orgeron or the the football the athletic department when it comes to when it comes to uh, to giving them more resources, you know I, I think that I think that they're just gonna I think that they're gonna do great together. Scott Woodward has to be excited that he's coming into a situation to where Ed Orgeron won nine games in his first year as the uh, as the full time head coach, won ten games in his second year has a ton of starters coming back on both sides of the ball. You know, you, I could very easily see LSU winning 11 games in in 2019. And so the upper trajectory is there. Basketball, if Will Wade gets past this situation that, you know, all the, you know, the, the messy situation that has surrounded the basketball program, he's able to get these guys back to return to school like we think he's going to. The men's basketball program is on a good fitting. Baseball, well, after last night, 69 to loss to Florida, and they dropped to 24 and 15 on the year. There's, you know, there, there's some there's some things that that Palmineri has to get fixed for LSU to make this run. But you can't say that LSU baseball program is not on good footing too. Really, when I look at what Scott Woodward's going to be tasked with as as far as major decisions go, I think it's women's basketball. Joe Oliva. Went Joe Oliva gave Nikki Fargus this this big contract, and you know, quite frankly, over the last couple of years, she hasn't lived up to you know the last few years, she hasn't lived up to uh, to the numbers that are associated with that big contract, and so it's going to be interesting to see. I, I think that that's the that that's the when he, when Scott Woodward steps in, and when he takes over. On his responsibilities, I believe it's Monday or Tuesday when he's going to be in Baton Rouge for good. When he starts looking at the coaching trees at LSU, I think the women's basketball is going to be the one area that he looks at and that he could have a uh, that he could potentially have a decision to make pretty soon if Nikki Fargus doesn't get things turned around quickly early next year. You bring up a good point on on looking at the women's basketball program. I think you're right, Nikki Fargus. Uh, has to be you know, very much feeling the heat now with, with somebody that has come in time and again and proven that he can make great hires um, in any sport. And, and so um, Nikki Fargus is one. I will piggyback, piggyback off of that and say the entire basketball programs, uh, both of them are going to be the focus of Scott Woodward for uh, well into his first year. Um, you, you mentioned Nikki Fargus. The Will Wade situation is obviously out there. He's been reinstated. That seems to be a positive sign for him and how things are going to end up playing out for him. And um, we'll, we'll hear on Friday as, as you guys are listening to this podcast, whether or not uh, Will Wade will have to testify on Monday. And if he doesn't, I mean, that, that pretty much will seal the deal that he'll, he'll be back and he'll, he'll be on in good shape for, you know, the future at LSU. But one thing that they have to address is they do have to address the facilities. The basketball facility is is not set up fairly well to be uh, productive in any way for any coaching staff. They've got offices in the mid administration building. They lift weights somewhere else on campus, and then their practice gym and meeting rooms and locker rooms are are in that facility. So that facility needs an upgrade. 
the PMAC is is in need of a major upgrade. So, and that's something Joe Oliva did start on um, in terms of doing studies and trying to figure out what they can do with that facility. And and so, and football is is kind of on autopilot right now. They've got the new facility coming in with the with the um, football operations building being expanded. Ed Ogeron has a new contract extension. Dave Aranda, Steve Ensminger, Joe Brady, you know, if you want to include him in there, the coordinators look good um, for, for LSU. Everything seems to be doing fairly well. It'll be uh, the big the big fundraising campaign that LSU kicked off will be certainly something that Scott Woodward will have uh, his attention on as well. He's a he's a proven fundraiser from all accounts. And so th- this whole hire has just been outstanding and, and we can go on and on about it. But um, just some closing thoughts on on at least the Scott Woodward hire before before we go to break. Yeah, you know, one thing I think you mentioned was the you know the fundraising, the facilities, and and Joe Oliva. As much as you know, as, as much criticism as he deserves for some of the decisions that he's made, you know, one thing that Joe Oliva was was really good at with LSU was raising money. Uh, he he did a good job with the you know on the financial side of things. And, uh, you know, as far as managing the budgets and, and, and generating some money and things like that. But I think Scott Woodward's going to be able to take that to a whole nother level. And the biggest reason for that is that his hire has just created so much excitement. The big donors, they're going to be ready. They're going to they're they're going to be a lot more willing now to open up those checkbooks to Scott Woodward than they were towards the end of Joe Oliva's time, just because they, you know, they knew that if there's a way, if there's a way that we can, that we can show how dissatisfied we are, you know, with someone or with something, it's money. And so I think a lot of those people who were not giving as much money, who, who had just kept their, kept their pocketbook closed as a way to, to not support Joe Oliva, are going to now they're going to open those checkbooks up and they're going to be giving LSU more money and and that's going to help Scott Woodward to be able to address those issues with the facilities with the venues like you mentioned and and probably even spearhead some campaigns that had kind of been stagnant you know as far as you look at the nutrition center some some other some other items like that I think you'll start to see those things take a kind of get a little kickstart and uh, and get a little more financing than they than they had of late. And all all good points. Uh, like I said, we can go on and on about the week that LSU just had, how big of a positive it is for them. But right now, we're going to qu- take a quick break from the Go Twenty Four Seven podcast. We'll be right back. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Go 24-7 podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Check us out. Leave us a review uh, and a, and a uh, rating, please. Sonny Ship with me, Billy Embody. Going to turn our attention now to what could be a very, very big weekend for LSU, both on the football side of things and on the basketball side of things, but especially on the football side of things. Two major decisions upcoming this weekend, four-star linebacker Josh White and four-star wide receiver Jermaine Burton uh, set to announce on Friday afternoon and then sometime on Saturday, respectively. I want to begin with Josh White. Sonny, this is somebody that's been on campus a lot for LSU. What, um, First of all, what do you think of him as a player, and, and what could he bring to LSU? Well, yeah, you mentioned it. Uh, you mentioned before that he had been on campus, campus several times. And if I'm not mistaken, after his last visit, wasn't he, wasn't he talking about committing in, in May? There, there was a ton of buzz around him in general that that he was going to pop, and and uh, this is one that. But it was more geared, it was more geared towards his uh, spring football season, though, right? Like right, right. Yeah. I thought, okay, yeah. So he kind of pushed his timeline up a little bit, and uh, you know, and this is a guy we've got him rated as a four-star outside linebacker, but uh, you know, Dave Aranda, I, I, he's a guy that Dave Aranda also likes as as someone who could move inside, and when you look at it. Josh White is, is he's kind of identical to what Patrick Queen was coming out of high school. You know, Patrick Queen was in that 6'1, 200, 205 pound range, just where Josh White is, 6'1, 205. And we've we've seen Queen play inside, play outside, gonna play both positions this year. And that position versatility that Queen brings, I think you're gonna get out of Josh White too. I think Josh White's a guy who who will get up to 225, who will get up to 230, maybe 235, and is someone who can who who can run, who's athletic, and then once once he once he adds that weight to be able to handle playing inside and then off the edge in the SEC, I think he's going to be a very good player. We've got him the number 19 outside linebacker in the country. Uh, he's number 31 overall in the state of Texas. And anytime, anytime you're able to go in and, and, and get a guy who is, you know, top top 10, top 20, top 30, even top 40 in a state like Texas, you know, I, I think you're you're doing a really good job and you're you're addressing a guy, you're addressing some needs of, a, you know, with a guy who, if he lives up to his recruiting projections, is going to be a very, very good player for you. You're right. And and the thing about Josh, too, is I think he's just kind of scratching the surface. He's I think he's got a chance to really continue to rise. I mean, he's got a four six six from a year ago under his belt. I got to imagine he's improved that, um, you know, over the course of the last year. So somebody that in and it, people remember got to remember this is a loaded outside linebacker class. So he's a top 200 overall prospect uh, in the country. But uh, number 19 outside linebacker, I think he could move up a little bit in terms of uh, when we get him, uh, I think, rated on the inside side of things. Um, do, do you feel good about LSU landing this one on Friday afternoon? Yeah, I think so. I, I think LSU's led for a while now. And, you know, when you when, when you look at his offer list, I mean, you've got Alabama, 
you've got Arizona, you've got Arkansas, you've got Oklahoma State schools that really recruit Texas hard. But you've got offers, you've got an offer from Auburn, uh, Miami, Nebraska, so Oklahoma. So you've got, you know, a lot of interest in this guy. And, and something that, that always gets brought up when you're dealing with a guy from out of state, you know, recruiting fans always mention, well, what, what in-state schools have offered? Well, when you look at White, when you look at White, he's got Texas, he's got Texas Tech, he's got TCU. And, you know, if you're, if, if you pull in those offers and if those offers in the state of Texas, that pretty much sums up, you know, what the in-state schools think of you. Absolutely right. Great point there. Uh, moving on to, to Jermaine Burton, four-star wide receiver, top 35 overall prospect in the country out of Calabasas, California. This is one that, again, has picked up a lot of momentum in the, in the 24-7 sports crystal ball. Greg Biggins put his pick in, and, and we have as well. I mean, this is one where um, LSU got to be feeling good here. They hosted him for, for a visit, and, and he canceled his visit to Alabama. What, what are your kind of thoughts here? Yeah, and, and I think that was I think that was that was pretty telling right there. Uh, you know, whenever whenever you are able to to go and and get another kid from California, and for you know for those who may be listening to this podcast who aren't recruiting junkies like a lot of like 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 we are, you know, you, you, LSU has a commitment from Elias Ricks, the number one cornerback in the country, who is in California. Jordan Berry, a big defensive line, uh, defensive lineman out of California. Jaden Navarrete, one of the top athletes overall in the state of California. And now, if they are able to go in and pick up a commitment from Jermaine Burton, like we both think, you know, you're landing the number six wide receiver in the country, a, a, a flat-out speedster, you know, a verified four-four-three forty uh, a year ago. With thirty almost a thirty-seven inch vertical at six one, one hundred ninety-five pounds, and when you put his speed next to uh, Kayshawn Butte, the number one prospect in Louisiana for twenty nineteen, who's also committed to LSU, you know those two guys right there are both just speedsters. You know they're they're going to bring a lot of speed to the offense. Joe Brady. Steve Insminger, they have to love, uh, you know, how much speed that they're going to be bringing in on that right there. And if, you know, LSU is at 11 commitments right now, you add Josh White, that puts you at 12. You add Jermaine Burton, that puts you at 13. But here's an interesting, here, here's a very interesting stat. When you look at LSU's commitment breakdown and where they're from, let's go ahead and let's say that White and Burton commit to LSU. That would give LSU four commitments from the state of California, four commitments from the state of Texas, and three from Louisiana. You know, now what that tells me, obviously we've talked about how the 20, how the 2020 class is, you know, not as strong in Louisiana as it has been in, you know, in, in some recent years. I, I wouldn't, I don't want to necessarily call it a down year, but it's not, I don't believe it is quite as strong as it has been, uh, you know, in years past. But I think that, I think that's remarkable when you look at, when you look at the breakdown of the third of the thirteen commitments, throwing those two guys in there, that four of them are from California. 
Yeah, great point. It's a credit to the staff for for using the right connections too. I mean, they're they they might not be done in California either after this. I mean, they'll have the shots at a couple guys, and um, I I think to your point, Louisiana, uh, I would I would right. I I don't agree. I, I agree that it's not a down year, but I think the number of guys that LSU feels like those are LSU kids that need to be at LSU is, is probably down a little bit. And that's why you're seeing them go out of state as much as they are. I mean, Burton is, you mentioned the speed, I mean, four, four, three, just, just last month. And then runs a four, one, three shuttle. He's got a top 10 overall 40 yard dash in the country out of all the opening regionals, which is really, really impressive because you can get some kids who maybe aren't highly touted kids, but can clock a four, four, three, four, three type, type number for him to go out there and do that is just impressive. I mean, what, what a land uh, it would be for LSU and, and a land that if all stayed the same kind of going into the weekend, it would give them the number one class in the country. Yeah. And, and, and that would be, and that would be big right there, you know, and, and also, you know, in the, when, when we go and, and, and when you look at this, it would also give LSU a win of going head to head against Alabama. And that's something that, you know, that's something that when we go back and when we look at some of the, at some of the past recruiting battles that they've had and granted, you know, we put more of a focus on the Louisiana kids who were going that LSU and Alabama were going head to head with, but to be able to, you know, to go head to head with, with Alabama and to get him, like you said, to cancel his, his unofficial visit and to beat out Alabama on that front, I think it really, you know, that's a, uh, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to compare everything that you do to, you know, to what happens in Alabama. But when they're as big of, when LSU and Alabama are as big of rivals as they are right there, you know, and and LSU considering they've lost eight in a row on the field, to Alabama, any time that you get a win, you know, whether it's in recruiting, whether it's something on the field, it's a step in the right direction, in my opinion to overcome in ending that eight game skid. 100%. And, and that'll, I think that'll do it on, on what could be a, a obviously monster two commitments for LSU. I mean, we never know on surprises. There's, there's been, you know, some smoke around certain guys, but, but I think right now those are probably the two that are for sure guys to watch um, quickly on the basketball side of things. LSU is scheduled to go in home with, with Lester Keonis. He's a four-star wing. He's been trending to Memphis for a while. That comes on the heels of really LSU being the lock for him in the early signing period. Many people had him pegged to to LSU, and uh, he opted to wait until the spring, see how things played out. Now he's trended back to Memphis with Will Wade back in the mix. LSU's going to have a shot. Him and Bill Armstrong going over there to see him today. Uh, they've got to make a big pitch because – you know, Lester on the bright side for LSU does have time. Um, you know, the, the the late signing period runs until mid mid May, and he's got a couple official visits lined up. But um, they've got to make a big impression. They need a sharpshooter in this class. This is somebody that can play the three and D, and and really has been improving over the course of the year, and somebody the staff is really high on. So, uh, a big day on Friday, not only to see if Will Wade ends up testifying on Monday in the trial for Christian Dawkins. Um, that ruling should should be out shortly. But also on the recruiting front, they're going to go see Lester Keonis. Um, and then Trendon Watford, I would have to imagine, they, they go and pay him a visit, him and his family a visit. He's the five-star forward. 
Uh, he's starting to trend back to LSU now that Will Wade is back in the mix at LSU. It's really been an LSU-Memphis battle as of late. So um, I like where LSU stands with Will Wade at the helm to land Trent in Watford. He pushed back his decision as soon as uh, things um, you know shaped up there. But um, that's just a couple recruiting notes on the basketball front to kind of round things out on this podcast. Uh, Sonny, you got anything good going this weekend? Oh man, just Easter with the kids. You know, Easter with the Easter weekend with the kids, and uh, we're gonna do a uh, gonna do a seafood cookout on uh, on Saturday, and then kind of just chill at the house on Sunday. So looking forward to some downtime, man. Beautiful, beautiful. I'll, I'll be out at LSU baseball, seeing if they can't right that ship uh, after a rough game one. So guys, keep it locked on. Go twenty four seven this entire weekend. It's going to be a, a busy, busy one. Think a very, very good one for the Tigers. Uh, Sonny, thanks for jumping on the pod as always, man. Yeah, man. Have a good Easter and uh, happy Easter to all of our uh, all of our listeners out there. And happy Easter indeed. Check us out at go247.com. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating and a review. We'd appreciate it. Have a great weekend, everyone, and uh, happy Easter.